Tracy Saddam and welcome to episode three of Not Another Business Podcast. Great to have you back. Apologies if you hear any knocking in the background. I've got builders in the house and uh, I could have waited to record this, but hey, we know as entrepreneurs, best to strike while the iron is hot. So I'm editing. I thought I'll add this little uh, audio piece on at the beginning for you. So episode three includes this interview with Such a Mean. Uh, such as a long-time friend and client of mine. I've got two businesses, Aquitas Legal, which is predominantly a personal injury law firm, um, and very interestingly launched InCase, which is a mobile app software business for legal firms, but also expanding out into uh, property and other ventures like recruitment even. So um, got lots going on. Uh, fantastic news for such in the time that passed since we recorded the podcast in that he announced one and a half million pounds worth of private equity investment into his company specifically the app company so i'm sure you'll see lots of great things coming out from in case over the months that follow well worth you looking them up on linkedin go and find such follow him on there and um, watch their story unfold because i know it's going to be an exciting one but look, we, uh, we got into loads of interesting detail in the podcast. We chatted through such his background, how he chose law as a career, how he set up his first business during the first recession. Well, the first recession, the recession of 2008. He's not that old. Um, and talked through how the app came about as a result of listening to feedback from his customers and clients. Really interesting story, super great guy, such really enjoyed spending some time with him. And I hope very much that you get some value out of this. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep in touch with future episodes. Got a few more up my sleeve already, so we'll keep you up to date with some great content. And if you've got any feedback, let me know in the comments and I'll be in touch again soon. So let's dive in. Here's Such Amin. Welcome, Such Amin. It's Such Amin, Such Amin. Uh, either or, yeah. Such in, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've had all of those, haven't you? I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for our view, as such a good friend of mine, I've known you now such for, I would say, about eight years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the detail of um, you know what we've done over the years together and uh, obviously a lot more about your story. But I wanted to start by saying thanks for giving me some of your precious time. Uh you know, it'll come apparent to our viewers that you run a couple of businesses as well as a successful household. So time is the one thing we can't get much back, isn't it, Such? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always said, actually, I can never be a good businessman, a good father and a good husband all at the same time. No. Um, and although the current climate is making some of that a little bit easier, I must yes, admit. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Good... Um... There's good upside, isn't there, to, to there is. this? And I think, I think the world is starting to see that and people might adapt the way they uh, go about their lives beyond this. Uh, again, for the benefit of any listeners that tune in in 2025, because this will be on YouTube and the various podcast channels, um, we're in May 2020 and we are just starting to come out of lockdown. So that's why we're talking in these terms, of course. Yeah. Um, so anyway, how are you, Such? Uh, generally, great. Um, fit and well. Um, really exciting. There's lots of some lots of good stuff going on um, in in business, um, uh, and I guess to some extent at home. So 
generally, yeah, um, yes. in a good place. Yeah, yeah. What age are your um, kids now, Such? Uh, so my eldest is 12 um, and my youngest will be uh, 10 in a um, couple of weeks. Fantastic. So they're, I mean, I say fantastic. Well, it is absolutely fantastic, but their edu- educational requirements aren't at a particularly sensitive stage that can't be caught up on. That, that's right. Yeah. So we, we went through the, um, uh, the, the 11 plus journey last year with our eldest um uh, which which ended quite successfully for for her she got the school where she wanted to go which is great Good. um and and yeah the the, the younger one has, has still got another year before her 11 plus kind of kicks in so yeah yes yes well that's a blessing mine are uh, daisies in her what i would call fourth year so it's gcse year next year right so it's, it's quite sensitive well it's very sensitive for her joe my son, who's 17, nearly 18, thinks all the, his Christmases have come at once <laughs> <laughs> because he, he finished school about eight weeks ago. Uh, his predicted grades look good. Right. His, his university place that depends on it has been offered. Great. Uh, I, can you imagine that, Such? No, I couldn't. I, I mean, I do, I do distinctly remember my, my um, A-levels. And, and actually, I was only just speaking to my wife about it the other day. Um, and, and I remember... I remember so vividly collecting my A-levels and, and m- missing out on paper by one grade mm. for what I needed to get to um, go and study law at Liverpool University. And, and, and I was horrified because I was, I was convinced I'd, I'd nailed it. Mm. Um, and they, these are obviously back in the days when you, you, you didn't have mobile phones or, you know, you, so I immediately went to the careers office and, uh, and I walked in with this piece of paper and I was devastated. And, and the lady was, she was fantastic. She said, don't worry, take a seat. Let's call the university. Mm-hmm. So we called up Liverpool University and um, she um, got through to the right person. And then I spoke to um, somebody at the faculty of law and I explained the situation. She says, don't worry, you're perfectly safe. We would l- love you to still come um uh, despite the fact that you missed out it's not an issue and and i was i was happy about that than actually received my grade i mean i didn't get bad grades you know far no, from no. It, but but you know i was i was over the moon about that more so than actually the grades i achieved um mm. and it was the first bit of news i gave to my dad not 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 the actual results <laughs> that i got into uni you know <laughs> that was the important thing the, the grades i kind of forgot about for a bit tactical i like yeah. it yeah yeah and you know what my story is similar to that i missed out by I probably missed out by two grades. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, I did the same thing. I, but I rang them up, uh, the university, and I said, I, just before I completely, dis- this is part of my entrepreneur spirit, I think, just before I dismiss this opportunity and go to my second option, can you let me know if there's any chance? And they, they looked and they went, uh, oh, yeah. And she said, I'm just processing your application now. I'm sending the letter out to say you've been accepted. Right, uh, well... I mean, it, it crossed my mind whether, you know, they were waiting for people to call up. I, I, it did cross my mind because they, they, they inevitably will have, um, you know, would have dished out more offers than arguably they've got places for. Yes. And I think that's just the nature of, yeah. of the process, isn't it? Um, uh, and, and, of course, they get the results before we even do, which is you know, arguable whether that's right or wrong. But 
Um, yeah, it, it, I, you do wonder whether they're just waiting for for those that are, you know, first come, first serve almost. You know? Yeah, well, you, you know that my line of work, um, as, as well as a few other things, which uh, maybe we'll talk about another time, but uh, the thing that I've been most involved in is recruitment over the last uh, 15 years. And I always advise my candidates, you know, when you've finished, when you've had your job interview, a great thing to do is follow up and say, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it too. And I'm really looking forward to letting, to hearing back from you and let me know if there's anything else I can answer for you in the meantime, because what it does is, of course, it demonstrates enthusiasm and eagerness. And you'll be surprised how little that happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a simple thing to do, but, and, and, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, I've lost count of the number of people I've recruited, not just through my businesses, but before when I, I was in positions of authority at, at, at previous um, uh, law firms. Um, but, you know, the, the, the lack of follow-up by yeah. candidates um, is genuinely surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, it, it, yeah, it makes such a difference. Such a small it thing. Does. It does. And it doesn't take any effort. I think there's a confidence issue with people sometimes. They worry that they're going to be hassling and they might leave a bad impression. But any business owner or senior leader in a business will know someone that's got the nous to take that one extra step yeah. is likely to be one of the people that they should be considering in the pile. Yeah. I mean, they, they immediately... They, they immediately rise to the top because you you know you you know that we we conduct or I've conducted different sort of processes but my favorite by far and away is the the assessment process where we get a load of people in the room at the same time it's so so much fun yeah. they get so much from it we get so much but then we've we've seen you know at, at its biggest I think you and I did one where we had 16 people in the room for yeah. a day yeah now that's a lot of people mm -hmm. to remember with all sorts going on and, and all sorts of skills being demonstrated. And then those that, you know, drop you an email or, you know, or, or just reach out after mm -hmm. you do just spend a, a fraction of a moment and just look at, you know, Joe yeah. over there. Oh, that was interesting. You know, yeah, you know, he's just in the middle. Let's just have a quick look. And, and they do, you know, to some extent rise to the top. Um, but it, it, it yeah, that, it is surprising they don't do more of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no matter how many times I've told people to do that, it's amazing again. Yeah. Only 10% of people take take the initiative and, and, and do it. But again, that's probably, it's probably a confidence issue. It might be a generational thing. We'll never work it out. You can only invite people to the party and hope they turn up, can't you? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, look, um, so that's neat, actually, you telling me about your A-levels and then getting your place in law school. So let's kick off with, um, before we worry too much about lockdown and how it's impacted us, let's kick off with, if you can tell us in as much detail as you like, uh, such your story to date, uh, you know, pre-entrepreneur, the businesses you've set up and any family influences, the, the, the ball's with you. I'll just jump in if I've got any burning questions for you, such. All right. Okay. Um, well, so, um, well, let's start at you initially. So um, I, I, I grew up in, in London. My, my father was an entrepreneur. I, I'm convinced now that I'm so much more, so much wiser, I guess, in experience that I learned so much from my dad just by osmosis, just by being around him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, in his heyday, my dad owned four different businesses. Mm -hmm. um, now, all very small, you know, one, one was a news agent, um, uh, uh, one was an off-license 
One was a video store before Blockbuster uh, came along. Mm. Um, and one was a pharmacy, um, which was his big stretch out of, um, I guess, a, an, an unregulated set of businesses to a regulated one. Yes. Um, and I, I learned so much by you know, serving within those businesses. I mean, I never got pocket money. My, 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 my pocket money was my education. But, yes. you know, my, 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 my parents, particularly my father, he, you know, he, would, he was very strict in that regard. Um, you know, he, he, he had limited education, you know, come from abroad, start, started here in, in London mm. uh, when he was 18, worked his way up, got his businesses, um, married, you know, had me as a child and, and then didn't want, want for anything, made sure that I got the best education he could get me, which quite, quite frankly was truly incredible. Mm. Um, and, you know, but made sure I understood the value of hard work mm. and, you know, the lessons I learned, um, of which I could probably spend two hours talking about through, through him alone. Yeah. I've definitely shaped um, my approach to business mm. um, and, and, and hard work is something I, I don't shy away from at all. In fact, I love it. I enjoy it. Um, do, you th- do you think such, sorry to jump in, do you think the work ethic and the value of what you are given were two of the really big lessons from that time? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I didn't really see my father during a, a, the average week other than a Sunday afternoon, you know, he would yeah. be up and out by five, half five. Wow. Uh, and he wouldn't be back before half 10 at gotcha. night. Yeah. So I'd be obviously at school during, uh, during the working week. He may nip home in the middle of the day. We didn't live too far from, from the child. I mean, it was literally, you know, a two minute walk. Mm-hmm. So it made it easy for him to nip back and get some sleep in, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the quiet periods uh, and then go back. But, I didn't really see him. Uh, I would naturally work um, uh, on on the Saturday in in, in the shops, um, uh, and uh, I, I used to do the paper rounds as well um, mm. uh, in the morning. But you don't really see your dad. It's just him. You know, <laughs> they, there it is. Go. You know, and, and then I'd be picking up all the other kids that hadn't turned up if they didn't turn up. So <laughs> you know, and 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 whether you know, rain or shine, it didn't matter. I just had to pick it all up. Um, but then on a Sunday afternoon, I would, you know, I'd, I'd get to spend a few hours with him and, and really fond memories, you know, he, he'd, he'd sit on the couch, the TV would be on and I almost lie right next to him physically, really try and get close. Um, and if we got lucky, we'd play a game of chess, but his, his work ethic definitely rubbed off on me. Um, and I, I, I'll, I readily admit, I don't, I don't, I struggle to separate work from um, my time or family time because I do, it's, it sounds very cringeworthy this, but I do genuinely love what I do. I do, I do enjoy work. And of course there's parts of the work. Everybody mm. has it that, that isn't, you know, it isn't great. It, you know, it's quite laborious, tedious at times and, and not particularly fun, but in the main, yeah, I really do enjoy that. And yeah, I, I got that from, uh, from him and my mum as well, you know, she, she supported um, uh, my father in the businesses, but then also took care of the home and, and, and fed me well. So, you know, the, the, they, they both contributed in their own ways. Really, um, really important stuff, isn't it? You know, I mean, obviously there's a, uh, there's val- family values there, you know, including hard work. You don't get anything for nothing. Mm. Uh, what you get out is what you've put in. 
Um, do you think, uh, and I, it's interesting hearing you say that you love your work and it's difficult to separate time for family from what you're working and I'm sure we all as business owners have had that holiday where you get told off because you're on your phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you're, or you're reading a business book when you should be concentrating on the game of Scrabble. <laughs> yeah. um, do you think your dad loved his work? Um, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I should, I should, I, I will, I won't should, I will ask him this weekend. I think, I think there are elements of it that, that yes, because dad I mean, he, he had a, a traditional name, but he was, his nickname was Rusty. Yeah. And he was known in the community as Rusty. Yeah. And even today, you know, we, he still lives in, uh, in the area. We, 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 we moved, but it was still, it was another house, slightly bigger, but still, in fact, it was arguably closer than, than the first house I grew up in as a, as a, as a primary school, uh, as, a primary, as a primary school kid. Um, he we'll walk around and he'll bump into people that will say, hi, Rusty, how are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah. yeah. You know, now, you know, it, it, that, that's great. So I know he loved the community side of it. Yeah. I know he loved, you know, meeting people from all walks of life, having a, a really good chat, um, you know, and supporting people. And, and I know he would do things for um, the elderly at the time, you know, whatever it needed to be, you know, if people were struggling to get, their groceries mm -hmm. you know he would go and take care of that he'd get yeah. around you know and and i guess you're you know what what we take as for granted now whether it be you know any of these big supermarkets doing deliveries you know okay you they may pay a premium for it now but you take it for granted that you can have it to your doorstep yes. but well back then that wasn't there you know you you're going back to the 80s and the 90s it, that that wasn't a concept so yeah. um yeah i think you know he, he definitely enjoyed that side of the business i don't believe he enjoyed the the, the long hours you know and you know he was very tired and you know there was a lot of heavy lifting involved um yeah. you know I, as soon as i could drive um and and you know i, I was the guy that did the cash and carry run yeah, yeah. i was the i was the young 17 18 year old that had had the strength to go and and that was my one of my chores or one of my responsibilities every Saturday yeah um, uh, or every now and again we'd go together you know if it was a really really big um, uh, shop but yeah so um, yeah I, I'll ask him I'll ask him yeah he'll give you he'll give you an honest answer maybe now that he's not doing it quite so much anymore I think <laughs> he will I think he will what, what was really interesting is as soon as I got my first job yeah. Um, which was, which effectively led into my training contract. Um, he immediately put the business up for sale uh, okay. and, and, and within, within six months, if not less, he, he'd sold it. Right. Okay. He'd yeah. Moved yeah. It on. So he, you know, I mean, I'm an only child, so I, I am very privileged to, you know, I, I to some extent, I, I, you know, I was for, I got all the attention I needed from my parents. Um, so, but I, there was something clearly in his mind and I, I did ask him and uh, you know, why did you wait? And he yeah. said, well, until I knew your career was off and I didn't need to worry about you from a financial yeah. point of view, I could, I could make peace and move on. And right. I could, I could, and I was like, I wish you would have done it sooner, but he said, it was fine. You know, it, yeah. it, you know, it, I, I could have gone on a few more years, you know, mum and I talked about it, you know, and, and, um, but, but, you know, it was, the, it, it felt like the right time. 
Yeah, well, that's perfect. It's a, it's a nice rounding, isn't it? The, it was, you know, yeah. Clearly, he'd invested uh, in you in terms of your work ethic, your education, and at the point where, you know, he could probably clearly see, well, I've achieved a goal now. Such is off on his own. He's going to make, he's going to plough his own way through to whatever he wants to achieve. And uh, I, I can now take a step back, which is, yeah. is nice. It's neat, isn't it? You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and one one of the biggest challenges I've I've actually got as a parent now actually is how do I do as good a job as mm-hmm. they did on me? Um, because when I was growing up, you, you know, we didn't have the luxuries that my children have mm-hmm. uh, or have even had. Um, you know, holidays didn't exist because we had businesses to run that were 24 7 literally the only day dad could take off was christmas day and that was only because the newspapers they didn't print any newspapers right you know, that, otherwise every single day was a work day so going yeah. on holiday was a non-starter we, we yeah. just never did um so you know but whereas with my kids that's you know a very different concept um and of course they have, have had the luxury of traveling quite far as well mm. um and 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 they haven't they haven't wanted for anything and we, we constantly remind them that you know there is some value associated with whether it's this piece of tech you know or, or just remind them that you know I mean, you used to get it from your own parents we didn't have this in our day you know and i can hear myself saying that now to my children but i can understand why it's important to just keep yeah. them grounded um yeah. and, and we've got a real job on our hands to make sure they they genuinely understand um you know that the, the the advantages of of hard work because if that's there now yeah. that will pay forward you know and and they'll take that that hard work um through to their um uh, their gcse's their a levels or whatever they're called by the time they get there and hopefully their university yes um and uh and 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 and, and that that isn't as easy as i think it as, as it might be seen, it's actually quite, quite difficult. And we've all, I think we've all got that problem just with so much around us. Oh, we have, we have. Uh, the world's so different, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, even, even from when you and I were younger and I'm sure that was a lot longer ago for me than it is for you, but, um, uh, it's an interesting point and I, and, and, and certainly about the values because you've got inherent values there that are built in to you and they will be uh, rubbed off to your children and other people that are close to you and around you. They'll know what is important to you and your integrity. And that, so that naturally, I think, transfers. And then you've got sort of more stated values. You know, this, is the, this is the way I see the world. So you've got mm. the, the way I am naturally, and I can never change that. And the way I see the world is these things are important. And of course, you have to transfer that into your business the way I see the world, although with an owner managed business or a, or a founder led business often, um, I think the values of the individual are always the values of the company. I'm sure there's some subtleties and nuance within that, but often that is the case when I look at it. Well, so from my personal experience, I think that's absolutely spot on. You know, we, you know, with two businesses, we have two sets of core values across the two businesses. The, the people don't overlap. Mm. Uh, the only the only person, quite frankly, that overlaps the two businesses is me. Mm. Um, and the core values between the two 
um, are that the, the, there is a little bit of overlap. What one business has four core values, one has six, but and there is a, a, a slight overlap. But they, the whole ten, I, I think, would be a big part of me. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's probably right. And and because ultimately, any business will have a leader. Absolutely, should have a leader, and the the, the people within that business um, are you know, want the safety that the leader is in control so that they can get on with doing what they do best, which is fulfilling their job. Yeah. You know, just, just take the, as you say, you know, people watching this, you know, we'll look back and, you know, we're in the month of May in the middle of COVID, as, as you say. Now, at the moment, employees in every business are absolutely looking to the leaders in those businesses for safety, whatever that might, might mean. And, what's really important is ensuring that as a leader my my people understand that there is a plan there is um constant dialogue going on at the highest levels and that information is flowing down to them so that they know that you know the the, the ship is being steered through this through this storm and we're all safe so let's just get on with doing what we do best so that you know, those in charge can keep steering and, and, and that, that, that's fundamentally important. And core values then help shape that because if you've got the, the core values that are ingrained within the leader, then they should naturally ooze those core values and, and all the positives that flow from that become very easy for the people within the business to understand why the core values are, are, are as they are. Yeah. And I've always said that we would evolve our core values if the business is ever needed to. We've never changed them. No, no, no. And you might at some point have to look at them again, but the fact that they've stayed the same tells its own story, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, well, we look at them every month. Oh, cool. In, in yeah. our monthly meeting. So, we, yeah. you know, we're constantly assessing them. And, and how we look at them, actually, is we get our employees to, in the monthly meeting, just share an experience they've had mm. that's linked to one of the core values. Yeah, amazing. And whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and, it, and it just helps everyone remind themselves and of course there are some you know that there's some ones that just keep coming back and sometimes we have to say well you know teamwork's a massive one not teamwork this month you know yeah. we had it three months in a row <laughs> we all love it but let's try you know there's a tough one here called integrity anybody want to talk about integrity you know yeah. um so yeah yeah no it's cool it's very, I, i'm fascinated by i'm absolutely fascinated by all that stuff i think it's the foundation of any business and uh, it's interesting i was chatting with someone else um for an interview series I did for a for a, a, a journal, I didn't I did record it actually, but it's not one for to podcast. Anyway, he runs a tech business as well, actually, interestingly, and he said to me, you know, integrity is so important to me and my business because it makes decision making easy. And he said, I often ask myself the question, could I explain this to my wife or my mum, and not get any resistance from them because of the justification of what I'm trying to do? And if I know they would agree it's the right thing to do, then it's the right thing to do, regardless of how tough that decision is. Because of course, those decisions usually involve people and the potentially short-term negative impact on them, if it's a tough one. The easy ones are easy, aren't they? You know, <laughs> um, And I thought it was a nice way of framing tough questions. Could I explain this to someone dear to me and have their full support in my proposed action? And if they would, because the people that love you always tell you, the truth um 
then I know I can push forward with it. And just a good way of, uh, of framing it. So um, I'm sure we'll come back to those values, but just skipping forward then. So completing university, uh, I, I would imagine with a law degree. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, for, into your first role. So how, how long did it take from securing your first employment to having this idea about, hey, there might be something else for me here? Um, well, uh, I, I think I always, I think I always had an, an inkling. It probably took, um, it probably took about four years, maybe a bit less. I mean, so as a, when, when I entered my first role, um, at a firm in Manchester, um, I got promoted in about 18 months to a, so I'm a trainee solicitor at this point to a team manager, I think was the title. Mm. which included taking responsibility for four other people, one of which was a solicitor. Okay. Now that, that was my first experience of a confrontational situation within the, with, with, within the, uh, within my career, because mm. as a trainee taking responsibility for a solicitor that had qualified, had been uh, in that firm a year longer than I had, if not a mm. bit more, maybe even 18 months longer was a real challenge and, and, I, and I found that really difficult. Um, uh, fortunately, we, we managed to find a way forward and work through it and, and things like that. I, I, in my mind, it's always a communication point and most things are a communication yeah. um, uh, uh, point, an issue to, to get it right. Um, but I think at that point, when I started to um, manage people and and there was there was more to just working on a on a on a client's matter mm-hmm. um, there was there was all these new dynamics um, which related to some extent some strategic points helping and supporting uh, others in in finding solutions to to problems and then people management as well yeah. I think I started to see that, that that I had some real interests in that yes um, and uh, I, I was uh, I was then from that role. I, I stayed there for about four years. Then I was headhunted to a a firm to help um, uh, help run the the department. Um, there was three of us uh, because it was it had plenty of good work, but unfortunately the the people within it hadn't been led particularly well, and they were um, they, they they weren't they hadn't been skilled or trained. So three of us were brought in. In fact, we were all from the previous firm. Um, three of us were brought in to, to get them skilled up and, and um, make them efficient, quite frankly, and productive. Yes. Um, but within nine months of me going there, I was then headhunted to be a partner in another firm mm. um, with an opportunity um, to then explore all of the elements of business that that wasn't related to working with clients it was everything else yes and and that for me was the 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 real the real moment that that was where i i started to really find myself and and i was stretching my comfort zone by you know going out and and drumming up business um you know almost out of thin air you you can't you know i think that until you do it I believe there is a there is a, a a belief that getting business in mm. relatively easy, right? <laughs> and and you and I both know that is absolutely not the case. No, 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 exactly. You know that it 
there's no mystery around it. It is really hard work, but it it's very, very difficult um, to get work in. And of course, to get repeat work in is even harder. Yeah. And you know, to some extent, I, I knew what I was getting myself into. But until you then do it, you just don't know. You just don't know how hard it is. Um, you know, and, and lots of effort that was not necessarily wasted. They didn't turn into anything. You just had to put it down to education. Right. That's how not to do it next time around. Yeah. yeah, you, you, yeah. Know, you just build up your bank of knowledge and experience and how to approach something. And, and, then, and, and, and then you find a groove and inevitably a route to success. Um, although that, that route doesn't necessarily mean it's um, continued success. It, things constantly evolve. You know, I, I think I could probably um, bring out um, uh, some sort of strategy to generate work that we put in, say, five years ago today and it would probably fail yes. because of evolution and how business has evolved and how business people have evolved so you you are constantly having to think and and be strategic in your business development but, but that was probably the first time um so what was i then i was um 30 was i 30 29 mm. yeah i think i was 29 mm -hmm. um so you'd, uh, you'd moved from client-side work, in inverted commas, well, yeah, and managing the, the client-side work, to business development, relationship building, acquisition. Yeah, but I was still, I was still, um, I still had a, a caseload. I still had clients. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, was, I was actually doing the whole lot, and, and I was doing the kind of same hours my dad was doing. You know, it was, yeah. it was a, a really early rise. I mean, this was pre-children, um, so, um, you know, that, that, to some extent made it slightly easier you know top of my priority list was um uh work and and um have we got married then i think we just got married help my wife um but you know that that was it and that, those two actually to some extent you you you, you could do both at the same time it was quite yes. relatively easy um yes. because my wife had her own career as well so um it, it wasn't as though there was um uh, uh, you know, any, any, any time lost by, by me being out at weekends or whatever, or late nights, she had plenty to do herself anyway, and a, yes. and a good, and a good network and a social life. So there was, um, it was, it was, it, it was a great year that that was for about a year. Um, and towards the end where we were getting to a, a, a a milestone in our, in our, in our agreement, in our, in how we'd agreed to, transition this because we just we'd work together mm. um me and this other person but we we hadn't um we didn't know how it was gonna evolve as a very small this was a very small business um and and needed huge commitment huge huge effort and we'd achieved that in the year but i think our vision i don't mm. think our vision really was not on the same path so we separated um, party company um, amicably mm. and I then went and um, had, had a bit of a look at um, a potential career change um, uh, and because and, I, I, I was a little bit I think uncertain about whether I wanted to uh, be, a, um, uh, be a solicitor uh, practicing with client matter or running a business um, or something just new and, and I'd, I'd always been within the legal space and there was just something there that said to me, well, is there something else? And again, 
this might have been subconsciously my father's influence moving from running a news agent to then mm-hmm. running an off license to then a video store to then a pharmacy and then yeah, having yeah. having all of them and it might have been that influence there um so i i i did look at some alternative careers and I had a number of interviews um and and some potential opportunities um but in the meantime i decided to get back into um just practicing the law by locuming so I, I didn't want to go and find a new role. I just, just keep my options open. So I started locuming. I actually traveled quite far from Manchester. had some locum po- posts in Leeds and in Sheffield. And um, I got great feedback from um, those businesses that I was locuming in. And one in particular wanted to buy me out of the locum contract because, of course, the, the, quite frankly, the relationships between me and the agency. And, of course, they then invoiced the business. And, yes, they can't just employ me. They have to kind of negotiate and settle with the, uh, with the agency. Um, and and, and I'd, I'd fallen back in love with um, the law and fundamentally helping people because that's what lawyers do. You know, lawyers help solve problems. They help people get out of a, a difficult situation. That's primarily our role. And I, I, I felt I was rejuvenated by the the fundamental reasons why i wanted to become a solicitor yes and and i was approached by um another person that i used to work with in my early years who was a um a manager in a in a in a specialist um litigation practice in north manchester to say you know i understand you like me why why don't you come and uh, you know why don't you come and meet the boss he's he's really interested to meet you so um, I thought this was an interview. It, it, it wasn't. It was a very comfortable chat, not too dissimilar to this. And before I knew it, he said, look, I'd love you to come and work uh, with us and I'd love you to head up our litigation team and I'd love you to um, uh, uh, put in some software into our business. That was one of the things I'd done mm. in, in, that, in that year when I was running this business with, the, with this other person. I'd, I'd upgraded a load of software and platforms. So I'd, I'd started to... Um, I started to experience the power of technology and that's where my interest was starting to really come alive. So I joined this business um, and, and I had a great few years, really successful for me, really successful for the company. Um, I implemented a load of software and, and um, uh, changes in, in the way they operated, brought huge efficiencies into the business and um, really, really enjoyed my time. But I was still... <laughs> I was there was still a big part of me that was like I I, I need to do this on my own there, yeah. there was a big part of me that said I need to do this on my own and so this is now 2008 where I then um uh I started to jot down my ideas and it was coming up to my my yearly review um uh, with with my with my with my boss and so um, I did something a bit different. I, he invited me for the, the usual meeting and I said, can we do something a bit different? Can I take you for lunch? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you talked before about, you know, is, is, you know, I wish more candidates would follow up, Yeah, you know, just to do something different. I needed to do something different because I needed my boss to think a little bit differently to yes. what he would otherwise do, which is let's have a look at your results. Let's have a look at your remuneration package and let's just move forward to tomorrow. Yeah. I wanted something a bit different and I wanted to approach him to say, look, I, I've got this in this desire to help strategically 
influence a business. Now, I re- I'm really enjoying my time here, but I want to do it with you. And that was my pitch, you know, yes. took me out for lunch. And that was my pitch. And, and <clears throat> in, in fairness to him, he said, um, he said, you absolutely deserve everything you're asking and the opportunities. But the biggest problem I've got such is I've always owned my own business and I've never shared the decision making process with anybody. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Mm. And, and I said, that's absolutely fine. I totally respect that. Um, but then that means that I don't think I can stay here any longer despite that I, the fact that I really want to, I, yeah. I do really love working with you and the people and we've really shaped something here over the last three years. And he said, look, is there a way that we can do it? You know, can I, you know, he, he was prepared to get me my own physical off. Wanted to get me my own building yeah, and put people in. He said, you can just run that, you know, you, you can just run it as you want. And I said, well, that's great. But that, that's still, doing the work that we're doing that isn't necessarily strategically moving into new areas. And, and it wasn't quite what I was looking for. So, um, I, I, I stepped away and, and, and in, this is the back end of 2008 and what's looming of course is the last recession. Yes. So I pulled my plan together and, um, identified that in order to do this, properly i.e. start my own business this 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 wasn't a this wasn't a decision to start start a firm out of um your, your back bedroom which you could do in the work that i that i did you know i don't physically see a, a lot of our clients so it was entirely possible to do that but i wanted to be professional i wanted to grow the business you want to get contracts in so I felt that we needed to set up as though we'd been around for years. So that, that required quite a bit of capital, six figures, quite frankly. Yeah. And, um, uh, and that was on top of the savings I'd squirreled away. And I managed to find some support from a bank to say, yeah, we can give you all of that. Not a problem. The plan looks really sensible here. There was a line of work that, I, that they'd committed on a piece of paper. So we were negotiating interest rates and oh god dot market went <laughs> the layman brothers went and yeah. overnight i couldn't get in touch with with the with the relationship manager took me about a week and then he emailed me and he said such really sorry deals pulled everything's everything's gone Gosh. i'm sorry i can't help you and and i was i was obliterated and and here was my dream that had vanished um within within a matter of moments and I was left with this pretty hefty business plan, you know, probably three quarters of an inch thick. Yeah. And uh, a route to market. Um, litigation is recession proof. So the work is still there. Yeah. So, and arguably increases in a recession. So, but the problem was, is I didn't have the capital to, to, to do what I wanted to do. And I, and I, at that moment in time, I was a little bit lost. I didn't make a decision one way or the other, mm-hmm. you know, that, and I think that's one of the big things that, um, in my mind, um, is good in business is making a decision it, yes. and it, whether it's right or wrong to some extent the the chips will fall, but make not making the decision is the worst thing. Yes, yes, yes. It ties up a lot of emotional energy with it hanging. Yeah, that's it. It just lingers and it, and it never goes away. Um, and that's what I did then. I, I just didn't make the decision. And I ended up, um, a friend of mine invited me to a weekend in London where 
um, you will have heard of Tony Robbins. Mm. Um, it wasn't Tony Robbins. It, it was a, it was another American, but the same kind of a, um, a approach, I guess. Um, and, and there was a, there was a particular moment in, in, in the weekend, um, uh, where the, the, the gentleman was talking about, um, each person's history. He was saying to me, have a look at your history. He said, have you ever failed in anything you truly set your heart on? Any, have you ever really failed on anything that you were convinced you would succeed or just convinced you wanted to do it? Did, did, was there ever a failure? And, and I started to look back and, you know, we were, we were given some time to think about it and jot down on a piece of paper. And I looked at everything. I looked at um, education. I looked at my family. Um, uh, I looked at um, my then wife, who I met when I was 13. You know, I, it sounds crazy, but when we were 13, there was just something about that girl at the time. Um, yeah. And, and you know, we, we started dating when we were 18 and went to different universities, but made it work and, you know, and, and, and never regretted a moment of it. And, and so I, I asked myself, have I ever really failed? And even studying law, my father actually wanted me to become a doctor. He was really upset with my choice. Um, he even went to my to the grand headmaster at our very prestigious secondary school in um, in London, uh, who he thought would convince me to step away. And, <laughs> and, and, and and he told me actually, this is a good story. He, um, my 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 dad went to uh, I went to Dulwich College in London, and you have a headmaster of a lower school, middle school, and upper school, and then you have a grand headmaster who you never meet. Mister Verity mm. was his name. And he went to him and he said, I understand that, um, uh, that, 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 that the school is to, has been supporting my son in relation to studying law. Now, I'm really worried about my son supporting, uh, studying law because of the colour of his skin. I'm really worried about racism that exists within the sector. And my dad at this point was showing me newspaper articles around it and really trying to convince me to make the decision to become a doctor. Um, and uh, I then get get called into, uh, this is before I was completing my UCAS form for, for choosing universities. I then get called into Mr. Verity's office. Now you don't get called into Mr. Verity's office unless you've done something really good or you've done something really bad. <laughs> and and, and I, I am, I, I'm really myself, you know, I'm, yeah. and, I, and I walk in shaking and he had a beautiful, beautiful office, huge, long, um uh grand table in the middle of it his his uh desk some you know uh, something akin to the president of the united states is down at the other end you know very uh, uh antiquated very you know very beautiful loads of books behind him and and he sits me down and he said so your father has told me that you're interested in in studying the law and becoming a solicitor you don't want to tell me why so i, I gave him my reasons um and he said well um, your, your father was really worried about the racism that exists. Um, and I pluck up the courage to ask him, well, what do you think? Do you think he's right? And he paused for about 15, 20 seconds, clearly thinking the question through. And he said, I think your father's right. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think there is racism um, in, in the legal profession. However, I've spoken to your, your tutor, um, who was Mr. O'Keefe, and he he's told me that he believes that you will succeed in anything you put your mind to. And he believes you will make a great lawyer. Yeah. And that was really surprising. And so, and he said, so I think you should follow your dream. 
and I think you should carry on. So I go back home. Well, you can imagine my dad was not best pleased. I mean, he was living. With either of you at this point, he's, he's, now, he's now gone in for two people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he didn't, he, did, he didn't have a go at me, in fairness to my dad. He, he had a massive go at the school, you know, because he was paying very, very good money, very hard-earned money um, to send me to private school education. And he was very upset with the school, very upset. But in fairness to my dad, you know, and I have to take my hats off, didn't really appreciate it at the time, but he let me make that choice. Yeah. Um, and, and then he supported me ever since. And of yeah. course now, you know, he, he's, he's immensely proud and I'm, I'm glad to make him so proud. But, you know, when going back to, to this weekend, I, I, it, became, it became clear to me, I'd never, in anything I'd really committed to, really set my yeah. mind to, I'd never failed. And it's something I always actually share with a lot of people that I mentor within my businesses. It's something I constantly... Um, spout is um, dedication and commitment just to their own life not to to the business just to their own life their own decisions yeah it's a big I always I do the induction I I don't do as much of them now because of the way that my businesses are structured but uh, you know certainly over the last I guess I probably haven't done them all for the last year and a half two years but up until two years ago I was doing every single induction with every employee and a big part of that induction was talking to them about the decisions that they've made to get them here uh, and I said if you think getting here is a success and hopefully you do just getting this job of course of which they're nodding furiously at this point <laughs> I remind them that that was your choice your decision and probably your commitment to yourself that you're not going to let this job get away from you yes and I said then ask yourself what other what other events in your life today have have resulted in success and the chances are it's because you committed and you believed in them yeah yeah um and at that moment in this weekend i realized that i wasn't going to let this get away from me i I didn't didn't matter that i didn't have six figures in my bank i'd find a way so Mm -hmm. on the train on the way back i wrote my resignation letter on monday i handed it in yeah nothing had changed i still didn't have the cash Mm -hmm. i still had a great business plan the recession was in full swing. So this is March, 2009. And I, and I'd set myself a day of opening the doors to my new office as I'd planned, not out, not out the back, back room of my house, um, by the 1st of September. Yeah. And by the 3rd of August, a month earlier, I was doing exactly that. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. You find a way, you yes. find a way because yeah. you commit to it. Yeah. So, it. so it's so important that, um, you're right, the commitment. I think something similar happened with me where I was contemplating what I should do next. And I can't remember the exact quote. It, you might know it, but it was something like, when you decide and commit to a course of action that you believe in, the universe conspires to help you. Yeah. You know, and, and now actually the universe tests you really quickly after that. But to start with, once you absolutely commit, and we're talking about leaping across a chasm here, we're not, and hoping that you get to the other side, a proper commitment, you know, you, and when you've got to make that leap, you've got to put all your effort into it. Yeah. Well, the universe always comes along and pats you on the back and says, right, now that we're committed, let's get this show on the road. The, the universe is brilliant because it gives you a really big kick up the backside soon after it to say, and now you need to keep moving with it because I've given you my little blessing. It's all down to you from here. But that commitment is the key. Yeah. Don't do I it heartedly. Fully commit. That's it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in the influence of the universe and, and how things naturally happen. But 
I think there's a for the, for those that aren't necessarily as well educated in 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 the theory around the law of attraction and and the and the and and the influence of the universe. That I think there's a misunderstanding that that happens by fluke, luck, coincidence. Mm. It, it it's not. It's because that person or individual has taken a few steps beforehand, and they only need to be small steps, but they end up resulting in a very big event. And of course the people on the outside only see the start point and the big event or the end point. Yeah. But they don't see the journey that that person has been on and all the steps they've taken to get to that milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's a, the, you know, there's a, and, and, and the story about, you know, opening the, my doors to my law firm, Exodus Legal in, in August, 2009, people just see that as a decision that, Oh, he went and set up a business mm. for him, but they don't see the journey. I've just, shared with you and 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 understand the the, the full the, the full spectrum of everything that led to that which was a lot of pain a lot of hard work yeah, yeah um and and but then the inevitability did arrive because that person in that case me yeah. made it happen but it, it and it happens to everybody and and it's a shame people don't understand that because there are loads of people there out in the world today that are doing some incredible things and making things happen yes um and they don't necessarily give themselves a credit for how they got there to make it happen. Um, and it's, and they say, Oh, well, that was just a bit of luck. I got lucky there. Yes. Yeah, well, that's what they, that's what they might think. What they also there. don't see such is they don't see the mindset that goes along with it. And the mindset comes from the commitment. I think mm. it comes from lots of other things like family influences and the way you've been brought up. And, but regardless of all those things, the mindset that comes when you've committed 100% to something, it's like, whatever happens, this is going to work out because I'm committed to it. No matter what challenges, like, I mean, there can't be a bigger challenge than 2008 financial crisis. Our stories overlay on one another quite, quite spectacularly in some ways such, but there'll be plenty of people now who are thinking, oh, well, the world's had it. We've got coronavirus. We're going to enter a massive recession. There'll be other people who have committed to their plan, just like you and I did in 2008, who were thinking, some of them will go, I'm not going to do it anymore. And some of them will be inspired, let's hope in some way by what you and I are saying right now, to go, well, hold it a second. No, I still want to do it. Have I ever done anything that's, that I've committed to 100% that's failed? No, well, I'm going to do it then. And, and regardless of pandemics or economic crises, if you believe it and you, uh, pr you know, do enough research and the steps that go before it, then, and, and set out with idea of hard work, dedication, be prepared to make some sacrifices along the way, as long as they're not too big, you can have whatever you want. Absolutely. And, and to those people right now that are, you know, starting their journey akin to what you and I did back in 2008 and, and making that decision. I think there's again, a misconception that they're going to be all alone. Yeah. Yes. To some extent they are, you know, they are the, 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 the one person in control. They're the ones that go to, to, to bed at night with all the problems and wake up in the morning and still have those same problems that, you know, yeah. you will have sleepless nights. There will be difficult decisions to make. You will make wrong decisions. You'll make some right ones as well. Yeah. But there are people around you that will help you get there. I mean, that that you know, both my businesses I couldn't have without the people within them. Quite frankly, yeah. you know, 
business does not exist without people. There's very few businesses that, that can operate without people. So those people are absolutely imperative for any sort of success. Then there are good advisors, you know, whether they be good, um, uh, good accounts. I mean, again, and another great lesson from my dad was he says the two most important relationships you need to work on in business is one with your bank manager, because you mm -hmm. don't know whenever you're going to need financial support. And then two with your accountant, because you need to make sure you know your numbers. Yeah. 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 No. And, and, and I've totally embraced that to the point at which if I've, this is going to sound crazy, but I have never failed in securing funding for my businesses mm -hmm. ever in 10 years. Right. And that, that included, um, in, so when I set up my business in 2009, so we still, we're in the recession within six months, I'd created and demonstrate the growth of our business to the point at which I then did get an unsecured loan from yeah. the bank. Yeah. Perfect. Because you, 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 you know, your numbers, you, yeah. you cultivate a relationship with your manager and they understood your business and very different. So, um, yeah, there's going to, there will be people out there embarking on the journey. And I actually think it's a great time. I mean, it's not an easy time to set yeah. up in a recession because access to access to cash is very difficult right now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, from a setup point of view. Yes. Um, but I think that, you know, that there are some great businesses that have um, uh, uh, begun in, you know, at the start or in the middle of a recession. And the reason why they're great businesses is because the cash isn't so readily available, which means yeah. you've got to keep a closer eye on where you're spending, how you're spending and what your returns are. Yes. And that then makes you a far healthier business as you then do grow. And then inevitably the recession will end. You know, it will end at some point. This whole situation will come to an end. Now, if you're in a business which has started up and has got through that, and now business will start to accelerate and grow, you'll have the foundation blocks based in an environment which has been incredibly challenging. And now all of those challenges are gone. The ability to scale and grow is actually a lot easier. It just yeah. depends you want it or not you may be very comfortable at that point in which case happy days but then the opportunities just start to start to come alive yes yes no i i i agree i agree with everything you've said i think it's absolutely right and it's great advice for people as well and uh, know your numbers you know are so important, Incredibly important. It, 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 we'll have to have, we'll have to have a a, a, a a sit down dinner one day so we can carry this conversation on. I said, I, I, I suspect we'd talk for hours on it. You probably could. Yeah. Because you know, my, my dad always told me, um, build a relationship with your bank manager because he'll always offer you an umbrella when the sun's shining, but he'll want to take it back off you when the rain starts to pour. So, and I did that and I went to the bank in the same way at the very beginning and I needed a, uh, not insubstantial, but not massive overdraft facility just to get me through the first few months. And the lady I went to see said, there'll be absolutely no problem processing this for you, Mr. Butler, because the plan you've come with is so detailed and tells me exactly what you'll be doing with every penny of that money if you need it. And you've already shown me the customers that you've potentially got lined up and the ones that you're going to be targeting. The, the amount that you're looking for is insignificant. And, and I've got every faith that you're going to turn this into a success but it's only because i went prepared absolutely 
And she said, a lot of people turn up here with a fag packet and a few numbers written on the back of it. And they're asking for crazy amounts of money and we, we can't give it to them. I think they'd have given me the money recession or not because I was so clear on what I wanted to do. Mm. So, um, but you're right, know your numbers, understand the power of sales and marketing um, and the power of people within that. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of learning there. So, so take me forward slightly uh, such. I think we need to wrap up in the next 20 minutes, but um, take me, f- we could always do another one, but take me forward slightly. So you, you, you've run your legal business now successfully for a number of years. And here's a really interesting thing I think will, will add another layer. How do you turn out to be a tech business <laughs> from a from a managing partner of your own founding managing partner of your own legal business? How does that come about? Um, well, I'm going to contradict myself here. It, it, is this fluke? Is this coincidence? Um, fundamentally, this all started because there was a a problem within my legal business, and that that problem was pretty obvious to me. and what we started to notice, well, actually, I, rem- I, remember, the, I remember the moment. So we were um, 10 people strong. I was in a nice open plan office with everyone. I loved those days because we could just, what we call scrum down, we could just all just come in and mm. have a quick chat and then go back to our desk, literally wheel along on our chairs. Fantastic days. And I remember being m- at my desk in the corner of the room and I noticed everyone has just received pretty much within the space of a minute, a call from a client. And I thought I, I earwig and, and everyone is answering a question about uh, that, that particular client's matter um, uh, about the future or something that has just happened or about to happen. And um, it was an unprovoked call. So I waited till everyone was off. And then I said, guys, just scrum in. So we just had a bit. I said, are we behind with our work? Because the data is telling me we're not. Um, your tasks all seem to be in check. So I, I, if we, does everybody think we've got a problem that I'm missing? Then everyone goes, no, no, no. We're, we're all okay. We just, just had a call from a client. And I said, is this a bit of a regular occurrence? You know, are you seeing a lot of calls and emails now coming in? Oh, sorry, a lot of calls. And they said, well, yes, I am. I'm seeing quite a lot more emails now as well and i thought well, is, there, is there something that is there a, is there a sea change here in the way in which our our legal services were being consumed mm. because when i started practicing our clients pretty much just left us to get on with it mm-hmm. they just said here's my problem can you solve it for me and tell me when you need me yeah it was simple it was that that they they responded to our information the the flow of information from us as the law firm to the clients resulted in information back and then that was it then they'd wait for us and we were about to do some um uh, client research um uh, uh, and me and my business coach were going to do it and um this was running up to um christmas 2011 and I, i switched the research a little bit and and I changed it to look at what were our clients' needs from us away from solving their problem. So obviously we know what we need to do in terms of the service because that's why they've come to us. But mm-hmm. what else do they need from us? It was a bit more, it was a bit softer. So we, we, I kind of labeled it, what are your emotional needs? And we did some research with the clients um, and we identified four key areas. Um, 
And I still believe, so this is, don't forget, this is back in the end of 2011, almost 10 years ago now. Mm. And I've, I continually test this and, and share this with other senior partners, managing partners in my circle. And they still tell me it's still the same today. First one was speed. I don't think that's any different. I think any, any, any business where somebody's consuming a service doesn't need to be legal. They, everybody wants speed. Everybody yep. just wants to get through it quick. So that wasn't it. Um, the second one we la- we labelled as information. So the the way the way the way we were providing information to our clients in terms of the language we were using was full of legalese. It was just lawyers being lawyers, you know, using phrases or certain terminology that made things confusing. So we needed to just make it easier for people to understand what we we're saying. Use layman's mm-hmm. terms. The third one, which was a biggie, was um, education. So this was where our clients were saying, I want to be involved in this process more than ever before. I I want to know what's going on. I want to understand it. Dare I say, I want a law degree at the end of this. (laughs) And that was a a challenge um, because I thought, well, there's no way we can service that for the fees we get paid. But I can't ignore it because we are all about custom service in this business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one, which actually upset me was, you guys aren't using enough technology. Right. And, but they, they didn't tell me what. They just said, you're not using enough technology to deliver your service. And I'm thinking, well, gosh, I've set up this business to use as much tech as possible. I, my, my experience having used software and implemented it in premium businesses is absolutely at the forefront. We're using as much tech as any other practice. You know, and I, I thought we need to do something about this. So I did a bit some, did some more research um, and BDO, the international accountants, um, had, had done a paper called Service 2020. Um, and and they started it in 2010. And they were updating it every year. And it talked about megatrends. And, and this, uh, this document was ab- about identifying how would service, customer service, look like in 10 years' time, in 2020. And we're here now. Yes. Really interesting. Um, and, and they got it right. And the, wow. a number of megatrends. Um, were, were identified. And one key one was technology would be the enabler of all service. Yeah. Not the people in the business, not even the result, but the technology that would sit underneath that delivering it. Yeah. Now, you fast forward to today. I mean, I don't know, Adam, if you're, if you're a, um, an avid Amazon buyer. Yes. Um, yes. Now, now I absolutely am. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I I challenge anybody to say they're not, but yeah, yeah. So, but you, you you just think about Amazon now. I mean, you I have had a very fulfilling relationship with Amazon for God knows how many years. Yet, not once have I ever ever spoken to a human, even oh. when I've had a problem with a oh. something not being delivered that happened recently. Um, you know, the wrong item being delivered or whatever. Never have I ever spoken to anybody because the technology that sits underneath their delivery of their services is so good. You don't yeah. need to. It has right. replaced. And actually, I'm pretty sure that every time I have communicated, I'm, I'm dealing with a chatbot, a piece of AI. I don't think yeah. I'm dealing with a human. Oh, anyway. yeah. So you kind of, you, you think, you think about that. And, I, and I, I was reading this document and it just dawned on me. I was on a train journey to see my uncle. I think I was uh, going to be having some drinks. I wasn't driving. And I, and I was reading this BDO report for about the third time. And then literally the penny dropped. If I built a mobile app that I could integrate into my systems, I knew how to do that. But if I built a mobile app, I could deliver all the information to my clients immediately, their speed. 
I could, because I'm using a mobile app, it would force our people to just use text messaging speed at speak. Yeah. Right? There's, there's the information bit dealt with in the app. I can put a, a timeline of events that happen and explain little bits and talk about terminology. There's the education bit mm. and the apps, the tech bit. And I thought, actually I could kill all four here with one piece of technology, I guess one, one, yeah. one, one mobile app. So I start writing down furiously and really need to try and find it. I've been looking for it, but we've moved <laughs> and I've, I think I've lost the paper, but um, that, that needs finding and framing. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. Um, and uh, I ended up, within three months building in the equitous legal app, which I called in case at the time. And we bootstrapped it. Um, I got a developer to do the front end. I did uh, the back end. I coded up the integration, the system, and we were able to get it out and into our client's hands inside of three months. So we're in the summer of 2012 now, I think it was June. And it's that inevitable thing. It just, press go and you just kind of hold your hands <laughs> and you know that leap of faith almost um but again another moment of you know just taking small steps to get there and absolutely believing this is the right thing to do and the results were off the chart i mean really? it was yeah. the engagement we had was incredible yeah the ratings because in the in the app i i i wanted to i wanted to capture feedback so every message that hit the, for the client's app, they could rate just by a quick five star, just press a button, done. No, no, no comment, none of that. Just, just tell us what you think. We were achieving 93% satisfaction within days. Yes. And it, and, it's just, and it stayed at that level. And we were having engagement in the middle of the night, yes. which I thought was really weird. <laughs> um, and then we drilled down a bit deeper. We had a big, big section of clients that were night shift workers. Right. And what, what we'd facilitated now was we couldn't speak to them in the day, even though we were awake, they were asleep or doing their, their usual day. Yes. They wanted to deal with us in the middle of the night, but we were asleep. But now this platform gave them the ability to do that. And we noticed efficiency levels started to come out in that first year we saved. So we're only 10 people big. We saved 24,000 pounds in print paper and postage. Wow. Um, we saved, it was hard to document, but we, 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 you know, we believe we saved as much as that, if not more in time, unrecoverable time that we otherwise would have spent handling calls or questions, which we wouldn't be able to recover as a fee because it's non-chargeable work. Um, so, you know, we guesstimated in excess of 50,000 pounds in year one that we saved of a business of just 10 people. And it became clear to me that the, that this MVP, this minimum viable product, which I built could do more, you know, yeah. I wanted to deliver signatures. I want, I wanted, there was loads more I wanted to do with it, but I didn't know, well, I didn't, I didn't have the capital as Equitas Legal to invest in that. So I started to speak to um, people within the sector as to whether this would be something other businesses would value. Cause no, there wasn't this solution. This solution didn't exist. Mm. If it did, I would have put it in mm. myself. I wouldn't have built it. Yeah. So, it became clear that this wasn't something that was around. So I then built a business plan to launch um, in case as a, as a totally separate technology platform as a totally separate business uh, named the company Lava tech. And that company was formed in June, 2013. And what took us three months to build this first version now took us nine months to build this second one. Yes. Cause we'd learned so much from version one. 
um, that we wanted to evolve and change. And of course, we wanted to do so much more with version two. And it took us a lot longer to get there. But then when we got there, um, even before it was ready for launch, I had eight law firms that had signed up to the platform. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they hadn't even seen it yet. They'd only seen my version one. Yeah, they just um, got the idea and they'd seen how it. Uh, uh, you, you had a good case study, didn't you? That was it. I, yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't just a good. It was a real one with real data, which I was happy to share. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there, there was a conflict. I had to be open and say, "Look, this is my business, and that's my company." But mm-hmm. it's real data. You know, use it, test it, tell me what you want to know. You know, I'm not. There's. There's. I'm not trying to hide behind anything here. But yes, there is a self-fulfilling interest. So I was really open about that. But fortunately, the, the businesses I approached um, recognized the opportunity. Mm. Um, and then um, from there, we, we, just, we just grew. Um, and, and, and in case now is, um, is, a, is a, a huge business in terms of its opportunities. Because at its core, it's a communication platform. Yeah. It solves the challenge of communicating between a business and an end user, whoever that end user is. And if there is a relationship which is gonna span um, a few months or a few years, for the end user, it's an incredibly valuable tool because our businesses, most businesses will have some sort of a document storage system or file management system or case management or whatever. Um, But your end user, your client won't. They, no. they won't have anything. They'll be receiving emails or phone calls or letters. And of course it will be everywhere. But with the app, actually it's all in one place. It's all centralized mm. and it's, they can call it back. They can go and search information that they may have told you about three months ago or three years ago. They yeah. don't need to bother you with it. It's at their fingertips. And now we, we, we've, we've really expanded across the legal space and you know, there are opportunities outside of the UK that we're also exploring and there are other verticals that we're exploring. And it's, it's such an exciting business. Mm-hmm. I, if somebody had told me, you know, do you think you'd, you'd, you'd own a tech business, not, not in a million years, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just never something that I, I thought um, uh, would be something I would want to do or, or, or have the opportunity to do it. But I'm so blessed that it came um, uh, but again, it was, it goes back to taking the initiative, grabbing the opportunity yeah. and, and taking the small steps, um, to, to get to a point. And, you know, we're, we're, our business is, 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 um, uh, or the, or the app business is, is in a great position. Um, especially given what's going on right now, you know, there's a, there's a real need for technology in, in, in various guises. And this is one of them. Um, so, We've we've seen uh, a, a spike in interest for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really tried to support the sector um, as best we can because it's given me so much. Um, uh, and bring bring to I guess bring bring to the sector what they want. You know, in terms of um, features. I, mean, I don't necessarily want to get into detail, but I think that's really important. Any business needs to listen to their customers. Really needs to listen to what they want and not presume that yeah. you know it just because you're in the sector and you're delivering it and you're doing it day in day out don't presume for one moment that you really do know what your client or your customers or your consumers want i think you know getting that feedback from 
your client base is so vitally important and yeah. helping them shape that um uh, you know in in the app business we have a we have a client event once a year and that yeah. is to bring our clients physically to us and that's about showcasing what we've done but then speaking to them and asking them what do you want in the next year yeah um but we don't just do it once a year, you know, once a quarter, we're still touching in with them and saying, well, what do you want? What are you seeing? What? And it helps feed our roadmap. It helps feed the evolution of our products. Yes. Um, and that's a big part of why I genuinely believe, you know, we're, we're so successful. And, and since, you know, okay, we were first to market, there are competitors now, but that's a good thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we maintain that, um, that, that leading edge you know we 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 are at the forefront and and everyone's kind of following in our footsteps yes um uh, but without that foresight without that uh, forward vision without that regular communication with your customer base and building those relationships listening acting implementing you could easily get left behind but the thing that got you to the position that you're in was the thing that will drive you forward to the next one, whether that's vertical markets, international expansion, um, build out the legal uh, app through various sectors within legal, of course. Uh, and I know, that you, I know that you're on with all of those. It strikes me as well that for a business, if I've had a good, and I know we're, we've had a brief conversation around recruitment, and could there be an app that was useful for recruitment? So there's the verticals. But it, one of the things that would interest me is the fact that once my client or candidate has used my app, I've got customer retention. Yeah. As long as it's worked neat and smooth, which it would, because I know that you wouldn't release it until it did, and we'd have gone through the minimal viable product piece before launching hard launch. Um, as long as it works smooth and neat, your customer retention will go through the roof because they'll never go anywhere else for that service again. As long as you're not charging crazy prices, but you can certainly charge a premium because of that customer retention and the premium allows you to de deliver exceptional service. You know, try delivering exceptional service when no one's paying you any money. Yeah. Very <laughs> difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Try delivering exceptional service when you're, you know, the best in the market and charging accordingly, it becomes a lot easier. So, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that goes back to, you know, you, you, people will, you know, value the service and be prepared to pay for it if it is a premium service or a premium offering bolted onto something else. If you've got it right, you know, you know that, that, and that, and that's why, you, you know, you look at your big brands and that's why they, you know, they, they can charge certain prices because it's not necessarily the, 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 the product, but it could be the experience they receive. Yeah. Um, you know, the finishing touches, um, you know, what, you know, that there was, um, uh, you know, a, a, fr a friend of mine, um, recently got sent as a gift, a, um, uh, a smartwatch, Tag Heuer connected smartwatch. Now the experience in that is incredible because he sent me photos and actually the, the, the of course a watch is a watch, you know, yeah. they're, they're not yeah. particularly big. But the box is <laughs> like this big, you know, and, and, and it, and it opens up and of course there's really strong colors, yeah. you know, and it's laid out. And of course the experience yeah. adds to the mystery, which then adds to the product, which then adds to the price. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, the know, brand, and, and the brand loyalty as well. And the brand loyalty then yeah. comes back in, yeah. you know, and, and, and 
yes, that's absolutely self-fulfilling. Um, but you're right, you know, you should always be, I mean, MVPs are really important. So, you know, in any, in, in any business, even starting out, you know, starting out, your business is an MVP, your delivery is an MVP. Assuming that's going to stand still is very ignorant, very dangerous, because yes. that's where your business will fail. Yeah. It's about, as soon as you've got that MVP, it is about reiterating and saying, what's next? How do I build on this? Yeah. you're not throwing it out you know like, how do you build on this how do, how do i how do i constantly e- evolve it so it's better the next time around for the next consumer how do i make it better for the next person and then the next person because the moment it stands still is probably the moment that your business is going to start to decline yes um yeah. you know there's a great story everyone remembers uber don't they yeah remembers no uber no but uber, there yeah. was a pre-uber oh right halo oh okay and actually, I'm pretty sure the guy that re- wrote the billion dollar app, which is a mm. very thick book, but a very interesting book, was the guy behind Halo. But nobody remembers Halo because no. Halo was Uber, just with a different company. But what Halo didn't do right was they didn't, in my eyes, they didn't take that, that approach to evolution of their solution and their brand. There is a slight caveat to that. They, didn't, they weren't as well capitalized either no but uber came along learned what had halo had done and had the capital to then do it a lot better yeah and go a lot bigger and of course not very many people know or use halo anymore i think no. it's quite still quite popular in in some um, u.s cities but of course uber's worldwide yes um, totally different scale um and that's because you know if you don't i think if you don't continuously evolve your mvp or your business yeah. or your service offering, building on it, doesn't mean you change it necessarily. No. Uh, I think that is arguably a, a turning point in that business. Yes, yeah. Well, look, uh, we're coming to the end of our time. Time flies, I find. It when really I'm does, yeah. chatting with people. I, actually, I, I know I sent you a list of questions I might ask. Do you know what? I think neatly we've covered a lot of that ground without us having to ask them specifically. But what I wanted to say, uh, such as, I'll, I'll ensure there's links in any descriptions on anything I put out. So I'll put Aquitas Legal in, I'll put Incase or Larbatech. We'll, we'll, I'm sure you'll tell oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll are. leave it with you there. Um, and, and I'll share those because it'd be very interesting for people to go and see those stories. If they're interested, they can reach out to you or me and I'll connect you up. But my last question, which is often my favourite question, depending on how it's answered, is... Um, and I'm going to just check that I frame it right. Yeah. I call it the time machine question such. It's the kind of thing you and I, if we were being mean on an interview with one of our candidates, might ask them. <laughs> right. so, so I'm throwing it back to you now. Um, time machine question. If you could go back in time, let's say you've got a time machine, it was possible. And you could go back in time, where would you go to? And what would you tell yourself or what might you change about a specific moment? What would you tell yourself or what might you change? Oh, that's, that is a hard one. And that wasn't in your, that wasn't in your email, that one, was it? Oh, wasn't um, it? Did I cut that I one off think, the end? I think you did. Um, oh, good. Well, this is live then. This is live. Oh, it's, I'll tell you what, that's really hard because I, 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 my, I have, I'm a big believer in, in fate and the choices that we make have led us to where we've got to or where I've got to, if I'm being more specific. So, and because I am so 
um, privileged to be where I am um, health wise, family wise, business wise. I wouldn't change any of that because it, it otherwise would be a sliding doors moment and would lead me somewhere else. I guess uh, if I was really, if I was pushed um, to go to a moment where I would tell myself something, it would, there's probably a couple but I think the one that oh it's (laughs) it's really I think probably I did touch on it before it's probably where where I'd left where I parted ways with the with the business where I was a, a part owner, the law firm, and I had a look at potentially other industries and whether there were other careers. Um, because I, I wasn't I wasn't sure whether the the, the law was for me or that the sector was for me. Um, and I think I'd probably go and tell myself, I'd go back to that moment and tell myself, despite what's happened here. And this hasn't worked because I desperately wanted that to work out for me. Yes, yes. But it didn't. We didn't share the vision, which in in hindsight is now absolutely fine. But at the time, I was really, I was really upset. And uh, I had some resentment towards myself. Um, It ended up amicably fine. But I I almost said to myself, I think you've wasted a year of your life there. Mm. And financially, you went through a lot in that year um, because I was investing into the business at the same time. Um, and you know, what have you got to show for it? It was all—it was almost about having something tangible to show mm. for it. You're beating yourself up a and, little bit. Yeah, and what I didn't recognise is how much I had learnt in uh, that yes. year. Yes, and I would tell myself, "Don't look at what you don't have." Now, look at what you do have, which is fundamentally the knowledge. And that year had given me so much experience in business that I was far better equipped when I started my own practice yeah. than I otherwise would have been. And it was only because I went through that year, which I saw as painful yes. at the time, whereas now I, saw, I see it as an education. And I just yes. tell myself, that's your year of study. Yes, that's your real year of study. Yeah. Everything else was the theoretical stuff and you've done great. That's it. This is where your real learnings happened. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm very similar. I think it's a great answer. Such I, I've made more than a few mistakes in my time. Um, but I'm always wary that I wouldn't go back and change anything really because I wouldn't want to be in a different place than the one that I'm at. I certainly wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to have my wife and kids with me. You know what I mean? I I wouldn't give up anything for that. So the the sliding door moment makes me think I wouldn't change anything. But what I think I would do is I'd go back and I'd just tap myself on the shoulder and I'd say, keep doing what you're doing. You've got a fantastic future ahead of you. And that would just be, and then I'd disappear again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I'd be like, oh, you bugger. I wanted to ask you all these questions. Yeah. Yeah. But just to know that I was going to be really happy and successful and, uh, and that I'd always remain challenged, but it's a destiny question, isn't it? And and the t- maybe I need to reframe the time machine slightly and and, and uh, ask it differently. But but no, really cool answer. The value of lessons learned from real experience. Well, look, yeah. it has been 
an absolute pleasure hearing your story, Such. Um, I, I think we knew each other quite well before, but I think I know you certainly a lot better now. Um, I'll edit all this together and I'll share it with you very soon and we'll, we'll, we'll put it out there. But uh, any closing remarks before we sign off for the day? No, no I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it, you know, I, I, you know I, I think reflection is massive. I've, I, I think we've had this conversation about reflecting, you know, and it's a big, big part. So it's great to be asked questions, um, you know, about about my life. You know, it, it's not something that happens that often. So yeah. it was it was it was great to share some of those stories, and it's got me thinking, you know, about certain parts of my life that you know I, I you know I just need to pinch myself and remind myself, and and then particularly my father, you know, and there's a good question there I'm going to ask him, which which will which will make for the next Zoom call, you yeah. know, quite interesting. So, but I've 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 loved every minute of this. So yes. thanks so much for inviting me onto this, you know, and yeah. I, I hope oh. it's of value to to people that watch it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm absolutely certain it, it will be such. And uh, I guess my closing remark is once I've edited it and done hopefully a, a good job with that, some people that could find some benefit from it is maybe your, your dad. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. he'd love to hear that story. Yeah. And also your kids, if you want an easy route to let them be reminded of the value of what it means and what it takes, as long as you're not too embarrassed by it and they'll be cringing behind their uh, cushions. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hopefully it will form a nice little document that they can go back and study whenever you think is appropriate for them. So yeah, yeah. it's been a real pleasure, mate. Yeah, and, and thanks for pulling that together because I think you're right, that, that video will be, I think my dad will love it. My mum will absolutely love it. Yes. Um, but it, it's something that I don't think I could otherwise have created. So for that, I'm so grateful to you for yeah, putting it good. together. I'll get it back to you really soon, Such. We will right. sign off live here now, actually. I will press the end button, but let's catch up soon. Stay safe. And um, yeah, I'll be in touch. You too. All the best. Thanks again, Adam. Cheers now. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, guys, so that was such a mean, really uh, interesting stuff, I think. Hopefully you do too. I'll be back next week with episode four, Olivia Stefanino, author of Be Your Own Guru and also creator of Money Matters. So we'll go deep into talking about money and how you can improve things for yourself um, using her book, using her system. But uh, for me, for now, that's all. Thanks for listening like and subscribe share with your friends get in touch if you need anything and i'll see you really soon stay safe